Hello and welcome to Yes to You, the Lifeways podcast. Lifeways is the UK's largest team of support professionals who provide support for adults in the community. In this episode, which is the very first we've made, you'll be learning about how to handle adult-to-child transitions. Adult-to-child transitions usually means 17 to 18-year-olds who move into a parent's home, school or facility into a supported living or residential service. I'm Paul Crompton, Marketing Communications Manager at Lifeways and the podcast host here. And I'm speaking to Will Oborn, who's Lifeways Community Engagement and Development Manager. Will's background is in adult social care, where he's worked for the last five years, helping families find the right support for their loved ones living with disabilities. Will, welcome to the very first episode of the Yes to You podcast. Thank you very much, Paul, and an absolute pleasure to be here um, and an honour to be your first guest as well. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very, very keen listener of podcasts, but this is a new experience for me being on the other end of the mic. So I'm very, very excited uh, to get going. So, Will, to start with the very first question, what do we mean when we say transitioning to adult services? I mean, what's the transition here? Well, I think we've got to strip it back here and, and look at what we actually mean by the word transition. Now, for me, the word transition, it's about moving from one task to another task. And, and what we know here at Lifeways, we're experienced at supporting adults with autism and learning disabilities. And transitioning from one task to another, um, you know, it's important we have the right structure and routine uh, in place. So, um, and it can be very, very challenging. So in this particular scenario, we're talking about a very, very big transition. We're, we're moving from having grown up with your family, where your parents have looked after you in that family dynamic in a lot of cases that, that have been supporting you and done a lot for you, or perhaps you've been at a residential school and you're moving out to gain that next level of independence, to live on your own with support, with peers around you, with similar needs of a similar age group, and it's, it's a huge upheaval. And, um, you know, we all know that moving house is a very, very stressful time and and there's a lot of things to consider so getting that transition right and and spot on is really really important you know it's about you're moving out especially for the first time at the age of 17 and 18 you know I remember when I was 17 18 I went I went to university and I I moved to a a flat living on my own and I was used to my mum doing everything for me cooking cleaning and it was a steep learning curve, you know, and probably one of the most valuable things I learned at university was cooking and cleaning. But that's what it is. It, it's, it's about gaining skills, that next level of independence um, and, and managing it in the right way, which is right, not just for the person we're supporting, but also um, for, for their parents and their family as well. And when does that transition really begin? I mean, I said in my intro to this podcast um, that, that the transition usually happens between the ages of 17 and 18. But I mean... Some parents obviously like to plan in advance. Some people like to plan things a long time in advance. So, so when should one really start thinking about that move? You, you can't be too early to start thinking about a move. There are many, many factors that, that you'll need to consider. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff you'll need to organise as well. So, so it, and it's all dependent on individual need. And if we're to plan a transition in a person-centred way, uh, it has to be adaptable to that individual. So... If, if your son or daughter or loved one is, is, wants, is really wants to move out at the age of 18, perhaps after finishing at their residential school or college, you really want to start as early as you can, 15, 16 years old. You, know? you need time. You need to explore what's out there. You need to find the different avenues of funding that are available. 
there's there's all it's a very multifaceted thing and there's lots there's lots of different um barriers that you need to overcome and and what's important is you give yourself sufficient time to find the best option for your loved one right and as a parent myself i always have that conflict if you like where i'm thinking what's best for my child but of course my child has their own opinions and their own views of, of what's best to them how do you reconcile that conflict between what the two parties if you like might want the transition it's important to remember the transition it's as much about the family and the parent as it is about the child i mean as a parent you must know you can't imagine that somebody else would be able to look after your child as well as what you could so letting go it's it's really really difficult for for parents and and understandably so and it's really really important to listen to what your child wants you know it might be your child's not ready at 18 but it, you know it's it's only natural that there will be a time when it's the right moment to flee the nest. You know, we, we do get some cases uh, come to us where, where parents are much, much older, they've supported their children and they're, they're getting very old and, and they're not able to support in the same way that they were and then something happens and it's a crisis and you, you want to avoid that. You want to plan ahead, plan your future, think, think about it, make a plan, sit down, get a piece of paper, a pen, write down what, what you think the, the plan is for, you know, for, your, for your own future. And putting myself in the shoes of the person who's making the transition... Um, let's say, for example, I'm turning 18 soon and I live with support needs and I want to spread my wings and be independent, living away from my parents. Uh, what do I do? Well, I think there's, there's two avenues of, of thought here, really, uh, because it, it depends on, 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 how, on how you've been supported through your childhood. Either you'll already have support in place through perhaps a residential school or you've been having support come out to the family home and help support you there, or your family have been doing everything and you've had no support at all. If you're already uh, receiving support, if you're perhaps at a residential school or if you've got support, um, you're likely to already have a contact within the local authority. If you're at a residential school, there might be a transitions coordinator um, whose responsibility it is to find the best options for for people when they're leaving school and, and going through that transition to, to adult services. However, where it gets um, a little bit more tricky is if mum and dad have been doing absolutely everything and haven't had any support and then they're trying to work out, right, well, can I, um, how can I get support? And it's often very, very difficult to contact um, social services and it's a difficult thing to do, phone up a social worker and say, my child needs support. Perhaps you can go uh, see a GP um, and, and they'll refer you to social services and hopefully you'll get a social worker. And once the social worker is allocated they will then come out and complete a uh, social care assessment of your child's needs uh, and see if they're eligible for support. And if they are eligible, what level of support are they eligible for? And, and they'll be able to recommend you on, on different options that are available, put you in touch with providers like us or, or another. Um, but, but I must say it's really vital to do your own research as well. You've you got to look at what your child needs. You know what what environment is going to be right for them? What location? What what kind of peer? What kind of peers would they would they get on well with? So so you got to factor all that all that stuff in. Um, you know what, you know do they do they want their own flat? Would they rather share a house with with others? So you have got to think about all that. Go on the internet. There's a local authority will have um, approved provider lists that, that you can that you can look through. Um, CQC also has a, a directory uh, which you, which you can look at as well, and then you can just go online. Um, look at the main, at the providers uh, in your area. What what's out there? What's available? Have a look. Get out there. Phone up. 
phone people up, ask questions, go out and visit. It sounds like a lot, but the more, the more, the more work you do, um, the better the outcome is going to be for, for your child. I'm seeing three parties here that we've kind of talked about. So we'll put the let's say, let's put the family and the individual in one party, even though of course they're kind of two parties. We'll put them in one party. Then we've got the the local authority or the council, uh, which is also involved. And then in this case, we've got us as Lifeways, the uh, the provider. So how do these three parties, if you like, uh, work together uh, to ensure a, a successful transition? Well, well, first of all, you'll you'll, ha- you'll have the family um, who are in touch with with the or the guardian who are in touch with the local authority, and then in touch with the provider. And, and here at Lifeways, we, we've got a specialist team um, who, who can speak to you and guide you through the whole process. We have some content on our website as well, which, which you can download, and it, and it really guides you through what, what you should expect from the local authority, uh, what, what you can um, expect from the service provider, in this case Lifeways, and, and what you can be doing yourself as as a family, communication is really important. If, you, if you're if you're struggling to get your social worker to come out um, to do an assessment, make sure you're contacting them. Make sure you're phoning them up. You know, raising any concerns. And then, as a provider, what we do, um, we try and find the, the best support which is most appropriate for for um, your loved ones. So, we also come out and complete an assessment and work out. Um, you know, what level of support do we think is going to be right? Um, for your loved one when they come to live with us, and during that process, we're we're documenting all of the needs, all of the all of the stuff you've been doing, caring for your children. We're, it's almost like a handover. We're speaking to parents um, and and families and the indi- and individuals, and and then we we complete an assessment, and we um, we then that, that that in fact is in the amount of support that, that we're going to be asking for from the local authority for your loved one. And, and then we'll have to get that agreed by the by the local authority. How long do these transitions take? A transition is different for every person. How long is a piece of string? Some people um, really need a long, structured transition. We've we've done transitions three to six months. You know, starting very very slowly. It's a big change. So starting, our support team will come out um, and meet with with the individual. Uh, perhaps spend a couple of hours um, just observing or, or talking to parents. Um, and just slowly, slowly building that up, then they'll come and visit us um, at, at, our, at, our, at our service. They'll meet some of the other people that live there, meet the support team, and gradually, gradually, over time, build the relationships and the confidence. Um, perhaps it will culminate in some overnight stays before moving, just so that everything's ready, every last little thing's been thought of and goes as smoothly as it possibly can. In other cases, uh, people might not benefit from a long transition. They might find it quite anxiety-provoking, uh, in which case we'd adapt the model. So, so you know, it's, it's about sitting down with the family, listening, listening to what the family want, what the individual needs, what's right for everybody here, uh, and, and making sure that the transition is as smooth um, as it possibly can be. So let's go into a little bit more detail about the support that we offer and how this can really fit people's needs. Um, so perhaps we should actually start by talking about the kind of support that we, that we don't offer and contrast that with the support that we do offer. For example, a lot of people will ask us about whether we do domiciliary care and, uh, and stay in care and things like that. Uh, and perhaps you can clarify a little bit on that. Yeah, no, we, we provide um, support you know, um, for people living in the community, but, w- but we're trying to provide support for people um, to, to increase their independence 
um, and in, in the long term so, so that they can reach their goals. So, so it's not so much dom care nipping out for a few hours here and there. You know, we provide support and accommodation. It's, um, you know, it's a, we'll provide you know, a house, uh, you'll have a tenancy. I mean, there's different options. There are different options available. And it's all, again, about what's right for the individual. So, um, you know, we have, we have supported living services um, and, and they, can, they can come in different forms. So you have, either you could have uh, your own flat, so, so your support. And that sounds like a lot. You know, you, you've, you're, you've been living at home your whole life and then suddenly you're out in your own flat and I can hear parents thinking, oh, blimey, I, I don't think, you know, my child would manage it in their own flat. But that's, what, that's where we come in. We, we, we've got a support plan around, around, around them to, to help them with their, with their finances, with their cooking, cleaning, tenancies, all that kind of stuff which comes with having your own, your own flat and your own front door and that, that level of independence. And in the long term, we'll look to, to build these independent skills uh, and, and independent living skills and, um, and, and make people you know, more independent over time. Um, other options of what we have, some people don't want to live on their own. Some people want to live with peers. So we have share, shared houses where people... Um, You'll have four or five people um, all living with a disability, and they're and they're all living together. Um, and in this case, it's really important that you know we take compatibility um, very very seriously. We're thinking about you know is this environment going to be right for you? Are you going to get on with your peers? Is there anything going on in that house that you're not going to like? For example, if you're very sensitive to noise and somebody likes playing their music really really loud, you know I can't imagine that would go down very well at all. So, so these are all the kinds of things that we're trying to pick up on um, at the assessment to make sure we, we get it right. Um, there's also residential uh, services as well, um, and they tend to be people with slightly more complex needs, um, and you don't have your own tenancy. Um, you, you live in, in a house with, with four or five or have many other people, and you know, everything's communal, you don't buy, you know, food is there. So, so, so for people who aren't quite ready to take that next step to independence. Um, but um, so, so there's multiple options. And that's another reason why it's so important to, to really explore, work out what the right option is, uh, and, and make sure it's the right option for you. What kind of um, adaptations have you come across and, and supported uh, with? Um, so, for example, uh, are we talking about hoists and, and, and wheelchair ac- accessibility and things? Can you go into that in a little bit more detail, how someone's property might be adapted? So, again, it ties to the assessment process. We'll come out and we'll work out what kind of in- environmental adaptations you might need to your property. And the f- the, some of our properties, are, they, they're, they're ready equipped. They're, they're there with the um, adaptations already in place. If not, it is possible to make adaptations uh, specific to individual need. Um, and and that is done through the through the local authority. You make a referral to the occupational therapist, who then come out and make a recommendation on on what is is required. But you know, it's it's basic stuff. You, you know, it, it, if it needs to be a wheelchair accessible, of course, we're we're looking only to find wheelchair accessible accommodation and build the support um, around that. Great. So if I'm if I'm a social worker working for the council, um, when I approach Lifeways, let's say. What what other things kind of things do I have to arrange? Is it is it that Lifeways is kind of for me a one stop support shop as it were, <laughs> or is it a slightly more complicated process than that? Well, the social worker they only do their, their due diligence to make sure any provider they're putting forward is the right provider, um, is is acting in in the best interest of the individual, and they'll also have to secure the funding for for your loved one, which is the main thing. So, because Lifeways will come out and meet um, your child or 
or as a loved one who has support needs. And it might be we have a disagreement. It might be that that we say, uh, for, take for example, someone might need 100 hours of support a week and the social worker says, no, actually, we only feel that they're 70. So it's our job to really advocate for that person and tell the social worker that we need to get the funding approved for the, for the right amount of support. I guess one thing I've come across with the people that I've uh, people we support that I've talked to and also their family members uh, in the interactions that I've had with them, um, it can often be quite a stressful time making this uh, making a transition uh, from well really just from one place to the next uh, from one place to the next. I guess how, what I want to ask is how do you deal with uh, with those emotions that may come from uh, both the families and, and and the people and the individuals that we're about to support? Yeah, that, that's a it's a very very important question and it's something that, that we deal with. Um, all the time and you know we have to have some quite difficult conversations uh, with, with family members because if you've supported your your child for, for a long time it's very very difficult to let go you know it's um and it's it's very difficult to feel somebody else can can support support your child in the same way as as what you do or as well as how you do i mean we've got it we've got an example um uh, somebody who recently moved into one of our supported living services we've just opened in in Norfolk and um you know, he'd always been supported by his family and they were getting older and it was becoming more of a challenge. And someone said to them at, at the day service that they went to, someone said, you know, it's about time you, you took a step back. And, and they thought, you know, I don't I don't know about that. And then they thought about it and then they phoned up our team and they were able to guide them through the process. And, and, and really, it really enabled the parents actually to have a much more fulfilling relationship with their child, they were able to be a parent again, and it it can change the, the relationship. You know, it can it can uh, for the better, uh, as well as other family members. We've had examples where where brothers and sisters feel isolated, and relationships in family homes are breaking down, and and then they come and have support from us and live away from the family home, and it brings the family much more together, which which sounds quite counterintuitive, but. Allowing you know parents and guardians that time, and then when they do, they can visit whenever they like. So when they do come to visit, it's that quality time. It's it's not just support, support, support. Great. And following on from that, I mean, of course, one of the great things about this role, and I'm sure you'd you'd agree, is hearing a lot of the happy stories that happen uh, all of the time. I mean, just last week, um, I, I heard about and actually wrote about. Um, a, a couple who, um, well, two individuals in one of our supported living services who who are got engaged and they've been together for uh, now for over a year and they're uh, and they're planning to get married and really that's all thanks to just living in that in that environment where in this case they're like two doors down from each other they happen to live in um in a in, in an apartment block um they've all got they've each got their own apartment um could we talk about perhaps if you can um, just highlight some examples of of, of stories that really if you like, transform the lives of people who made this transition? Well, yeah, we recently had a, a young man move, move into us. Um, he's just finishing up at his residential school um, in Cambridgeshire. Um, so big, big change. He's only 17, um, you know, and, and moving into to a supported living service, um, you know, it, it was, was, was a, big, a big thing for him. And he, he was somebody who really required a tailor-made transition right around his needs, very very robust so so what we did in, in his example is we started the transition when he was 17 before he turned 18 so so we went out to the school we met with the school met with his key workers at the school uh, he began to develop those relationships with the support staff 
and gradually he would start coming over to us after school so so he could start developing uh, relationships with the support staff there, but also the other people who live uh, at the service in, in Cambridge. And, and it's just being flexible and adaptable. And I, and I think that was during a time of COVID. So we had to be extremely adaptable um, in, on that case. And, and it, was, um, it was a great success. The move-in was, uh, was very, very smooth. The transition went perfect. He's been there a couple of years now and he's really, really thriving, which is, which is a real joy to see. Great. And you touched on on, on support workers and, and and the support that they um, that they deliver. So, what what's a look at an average, or, or if you like, a uh, what you might see in someone's support team? So, for example, I, if I if I'm an individual and I move into a supported living service, who's supporting me? Well, so we we would build a support plan around you, depending on need. It's all person centered, exactly what the individual needs, and and so and that's all part of the assessment process. And it's and we have one to one support, so. So um, people who move to us, that they, it, it might be um, that they need X number of one-to-one hours, individual one-to-one support, one support worker, and then you to help with cooking, cleaning, going out in the community, exploring local interests, um, exploring employment opportunities, that kind of stuff. And, and so, so we tailor the support around what's right for, the, for that individual and how they can meet their goals. Um, other people might need a bit less support, so so then they can. Just, uh, we wouldn't want to put, put too much support in because then that starts to hinder, you know, someone's independence. So um, so it's about finding that balance and um, and as I say, that's that's about the assessment process and, and reviewing that regularly about about what what the right support really is. Great. So we've heard of some examples of support. Uh, we've heard about the kind of support um, that that we support with. We've heard about what transitions really mean. Um, and now I want to ask you, what are some things that you really have to, really practical things that you have to think about um, when you're making a transition? So, you know, you've lived at home. You probably haven't got a, a bed and a, and a sofa and a TV because that, that belongs to your mum. So, so that kind of stuff, you know, you've got to get, if you're going into supported living, you'd be white goods, you know, in the tenancy normally provided, but you get your own furniture. That's great fun, isn't it? Designing your own flat. So, so that, that, that's, that's one thing, isn't it? And then, Practically, um, you know, what, what, where, where are you moving to? What's out there? What's available to you? Are there, is there employment opportunity local? Are there, do you like the football? Is it near the football ground? Is it, is it, you know, do you have interests? Are there things for you to do locally? Um, you know, compatibility. Are is it going to be the right place? Are there going to be, going to be people with, with similar needs, similar interests to you? Um, and, and and just making sure. You know all the things we've spoken about today, and as many of those boxes are ticked as possible, and and I think you'll be um, you'll be doing quite well. Will, thank you for speaking to us. Absolute pleasure, Paul. It's been great fun coming on, and good luck with the rest of the series. Absolutely, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to this very first episode of Yes to You. We'll be releasing new episodes all about adult social care every single month. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe to this podcast. See you next time.